This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello, Rich. Doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Good after three delicious points. How are you feeling? Yeah, it always feels better after three points, although having to do a last-minute rewrite wasn't entirely ideal, but I'll forgive Jacob for his sins. There we go. Journalist in late goal bemoaning shock horror. <laughs> Deal with it, sir. Deal with it. Well, it just it wasn't too much of this, so I just had two things ready to go. And then I, was, I think I was, just as he was about to score, I was putting one into the CMS and I had to take it out again. Ah, your slow evolution to Ryan Walkerdom is another step closer. Well done. Um, how How do we start this episode? Should we talk about vandalism? It feels very off brand for us to go too serious, but yet again, the club have had to, uh, ask the supporters to behave. They've had to tell us all knowing that there's only a handful of people that feel the need to firstly, in the past, destroy away ends or these damage away ends, and now we're kicking in our own facilities. Ah, football, eh? Yeah, it was people who wanted Clem to put his hand in his pocket probably didn't want him to do it for new seats. We probably will have to now after those photos that were going around. It's just, it's just strange. It's not like standing in the Don Rogers. This, this is fairly legitimate behaviour. Cells getting in line type. It's like release from the club. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shame, isn't it? It's just people are weird. People are weird. Shall we move on? Hey, Scott Lindsay's been on a course. Hooray! Has been on a course. A bit of a star-studded one. Charlie and Lescott, Robbie Fowler, both of um, St. George's Park with Scott Lindsay uh, yesterday. He was doing it over the summer. I believe it was the LMA Football Manager Diploma. 
which sounds very professional and very good. So those of you who have been saying Scott Lindsay doesn't know his stuff, he's getting a diploma. What have you done? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, did anyone ask whether Scott asked Robbie Fowler how close he was to the Swindon job at any point? Uh, I don't believe that specific question came up, but... Um... It's a shame. Yeah, we don't know that. But he has to go back once a month, I believe he said, to uh, to keep going with the course. He didn't say specifically how long he was having to do that, but uh, given that Swindon were having a day off, it made perfect sense. Oh, yes. That's nice. Well, hopefully the rest of that course goes well for him. It was a bit of a different uh, presser for you today. A few different names. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the Three Amigos as Perth, was it? Yeah, it felt like I was playing in the Papa John's for a little bit with uh, all, the, all the resis out for... Uh, for the other outlets, but you know, it, was, it was an interesting one. With and it also meant that some of the questions I wanted to ask wouldn't have been taken earlier, which is usually helpful for me as well. <laughs> Who did we have? It was um, Sean Hodgetts of BBC Wiltshire or BBC Swindon, as you like to say, and um, it was actually a, a new guy whose name I've entirely forgotten, which is horrible because we had a lovely conversation. But um, Johnny's cover whilst he's in <laughs> whilst he's in Seville over the weekend watching Real Betis instead of. Rotherham, which feels like a terrible decision if you ask me. Surely he's at Doncaster, not Rotherham. Doncaster, even. Same place if you are. Deary you know. me. This is why you're in the reserves. But the <laughs> shots the shots fired at Sean Hodgetts there for being a reserve man. Well, just to, just to be asking, speaking to Scott Lindsay, he's the, he's the reserve <laughs> man, I suppose, because Andrew Halls wasn't being loud out of work today. I'm going to I'm gonna get a ladder so you can get out of this hole, but I've enjoyed this intro tremendously. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to put the boot in if they don't listen, I suppose. Indeed. Quite right. OK, then. So before we get to Doncaster chat, let's talk about Sutton, starting with Scott Lindsay's take. Been a couple of days. I'm sure he's watched it back. What did he have to say about our glorious victory on Tuesday night? Yeah, the course meant that he watched it back in the evening instead of uh, during the days he normally would have done. Um, but he's he's watched it back and said that he saw... Saw some very positive signs when he was when you're obviously touchline level. You're not seeing quite as much of the game as you would when you're watching it back. And he saw a lot of the signs of things that they've been working on in training going on actually in the game. He was as he's gone a lot on on a lot about the aggressive approach that they were taking against Sutton. He was really happy with with that aspect of their game as well. So I think he was he was pretty happy to be um, on that rewatch of the Sutton game. Yeah, when we were recording the pod on Wednesday, I said even at the time I felt like I was being too negative or I wasn't enjoying the win or the fact that we won enough. And over time, in the last few days, having thought about it, I don't think I've changed my stance too much, but I am just so happy we, we got the win. But I still think there's a lot of work to do. But if we, get, if we need to do a lot of work and we're still winning, then well, that's a good thing. Well, we we were saying before, weren't we, Rich, that it was absolutely must win. I think the, the you could see from the players and what Scott Lindsay said afterwards that they felt that a little bit as well. You, you know, the fans getting on the team after about seventeen minutes. I think Johnny and I counted uh, whilst watching the game along. So it was a much needed win. I don't think it was a brilliant performance. The bit of it I got to saw that much was that much was going on during the match, but you know it was. It, it was in the right direction. The attacking was clearly there. And I think when you've drawn this many games whilst you're still actually playing well, winning a game when you're mediocre is probably a good sign. It really is. And we were calling it a must win. We won. So lighten up, Rich. 
I think that's pretty much what I've got to go with. Um, I think I'm still ruining the fact that what time did that? The game started at 7.45 on Tuesday. I think it ended around about 5 o'clock on Thursday, didn't it? It seemed to go on forever, that game. Yeah, it was It was really long. It was, I think I was watching. <laughs> by the end, I was thinking, did the game kick off later because of all this stuff beforehand? But it, was, it just, I don't know how it managed to take quite such a long time. But just such an eventful first half, I guess they had to play a lot more on. Yeah, what's your final thoughts on the game beyond the fact that we weren't, we won, you know, and the tack was clearly there? Were, were you happy? I was fairly happy with the performance. I think there there were moments where Sutton managed to overrun Swindon, especially at the start of that second half. It was really feeling like it was going the wrong way, but they showed the the fight in them to wrestle that control back, and by the end, it was a lot of Swindon possession. I think the way they were attacking and switching the play. I think we saw Ben Gladwin drop in a little bit more and Louis Reed spraying the ball as he is inclined to do. And that's always a positive sign. So I think, you know, offensively, it was a really strong performance and they were able to show that grit in there as well and get that much, much needed final minute goal from Jacob Wakeling. Yeah, lovely. Cool. OK, um, man of the match from the listeners, man of the match from the sponsors, but not from the pod, uh, because we, we wanted to share the love and give some love to Ben Gladwin, uh, was Johnny Williams. And Johnny Williams was given a bit of praise for this one. And of course, he has been called up to the Wales squads, as we all expected for the games against Belgium and Poland. Therefore, he misses Grimsby. But I'm really happy that he's he's becoming clearly far more important player than he was or seemed to be last season where he was useful last year, but now he's beginning to show what I expected from Johnny Williams when he signed. Well, the feeling last year, wasn't it? It was he was a bit underwhelming because you get this Welsh international and he's got all this glittering awards and you're thinking he's going to take the league by storm and he was only pretty good, like a, like a fool. But so far in the last few games, you just see, I don't know, maybe he doesn't know his own position quite as well as he thinks he does because he's just running the show a little bit with the way he he can receive the ball in more space out wide and drive inwards. And that's really helping Swindon. I like the Gladwin shout because I think those two linked up really well. But, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay felt very similar that over the last few weeks, he's he's been really playing incredibly well. And and then particularly on, on Tuesday, took it up to another level. And it's just pretty much just being a joy to watch him at times, which is always really good. But him being in the Wales squad, we lose him for just the one game. Obviously, he wouldn't have played against Plymouth anyway, but it's a bit a little disappointing. It'd be interesting to see what they do on the on the right wing with that, with how they try and work that um, that way. Will it be Romeo Hutton or will they put one of the other midfielders out there? Because I think Johnny Williams plays in quite a specific way um, in in that role. So maybe it could be a chance for Morgan Roberts as well, but we'll see how that goes. And I think maybe Plymouth will give us a few clues to do with that. Yeah, we always talk about the negatives when players leave, but I think one of the positive elements of some of the players leaving that Johnny Williams now can now be the focal point of this side in many ways. Yeah, well, this is it's become a bit of a deep squad. So him leaving isn't maybe as much of an issue as it might have been last year. But no, with with Jack Payne leaving, who was, uh, I, I've made my thoughts on him known before, but you know, he was a bit of the heartbeat <laughs> of that team and in the midfield, particularly in Johnny Williams is maybe his, his um, right-hand man, number two kind of role. But with him stepping away, him and Ben Gladwin in particular this season have stepped up so much in their performance levels that they're really showing the, the quality we knew they had all along. But, you know, maybe maybe that year of the, the shift change has meant that they're both 
you know, much more up to speed this year and uh, really, really showing what they can do. To take the mood down a little bit, we are in the uh, danger zone now in terms of injuries. So like a concerned parent, I really hope he looks after himself before the World Cup because he's going to go if he's fit. So let's hope uh, nothing bad happens to him. Oh, absolutely. A man who's had that many injuries and get, takes that many fouls has got to be worrying at least a little bit. And, you know, he said, I think last year was the most football he played, but he was playing an hour at most at a time. And he's not really done that this year. So we have to, have to hope his sake and for our sake that we can we can keep him nice and box fresh up until up until the World Cup. Here is hoping. Um, next segment is very much about soul searching, the mood, and passion. Well, Scotland's he's been doing a bit of soul searching recently. It sounds. Yeah, I would say soul searching was probably the main the main part of the post Sutton press conference where he's talked about how this team of, I think he talked about inquests before a little bit, but they were just really looking at themselves and wondering how they weren't how they weren't doing better because everyone was getting on their backs with the two ten men games, but but they. It felt like they just couldn't believe they hadn't beaten Stockport or Gillingham, especially after, after the way those games went. And they were just looking at themselves and wondering how they can change that and make sure those situations don't happen again. And then when you come into Sutton, you come out with that really aggressive mindset that we're going to get after them early doors, which is what Scott Lindsay's talked about all along in how he wants to play. And then you do that and you manage to get the win that way, that it it does show that that, that looking that looking inwardly at themselves has, has paid off. It goes without saying the mood within the club is very, very good at the moment. Well, the mood in the club has obviously always been high, but as as we've been told every time that question has been asked, but I think it does have to go up a little bit when, when you get that kind of win, because it is a moment that can bring everyone together. He was talking about how the squad are really tight-knit, and even with the staff themselves, it's a, it's a very together bunch, and they're... You know, and the atmosphere, even in the times where they weren't getting the results they felt they deserved, was strong in training, supposedly, and and now they can push on, be happy with what with what they've done with getting that win, and then use that use that to move them all forwards if they are as they are a group who are um who are together in what they believe is possible. Every play who we come and speak to, Jeff got did it today, Jacob Wakeling did it on on Tuesday. They always talk about pushing on, going for promotion. They they've clearly got that all instilled in them even if we've not had the best start that that is 100% the aim yeah and hashtag passion was also discussed it was a very big gesture by the club post game Um, I'm a cynic when it comes to this Joe I I, you know I'd, I'd rather we just be better over 90 minutes and then fist pump away but um, I get why people eat this sort of stuff up. I'm, I'm a bit more cynical to it, but it was clear to see their unity, which wasn't fake or anything. I'm not suggesting that post game. And I think this was a very symbolic moment for those within the club. Well, you can get that if you can get a win done by the hour mark and then celebrate afterwards. That's probably the ideal. But I think when you have that flashpoint moment right at the end, I think the emotions are a bit higher and the, and the fist pumps become a bit more a bit more vigorous, I suppose. And I think that game really felt like vindication for Scott Lindsay and the players. Speaking to them afterwards, they they really took note of what the fans were saying and how they were acting during games. And you're saying, well, you're booing as making a substitution after the hour mark and booing the decision and that pays off. And it just feels like a bit, the, a bit of a Raymond Holt vindication moment for them. And then that 
and that just sort of hypes them up even more and that's where you get those those big displays of emotion like we saw and um rest in peace tyree shades right foot mm, yes yes indeed i think it's been a big talking point since the game the the fans reactions to the substitutions um and the you know very audible you don't know what you're doing and booze it wasn't for the individual though it wasn't for wakeling absolutely not it was for the the like for like but it did at the time feel that that was very much a jumping the gun moment in terms of that chant um and that sort of reaction at home i would say away as well but they're two different crowds aren't they away crowds and home crowds so yeah it, it did feel and i think I, I i think i sent messages out going i just really want scott Lindsay to well i want swindon to win this now because that just felt like just so was well, far too soon well i think it just comes from scott Lindsay not reportedly not being the club's first choice i don't think it takes too much to work that one out but also being the fans not being their first choice so they've gone quickly on on him, I, I mean, you say the home and away crowds are different. I saw the same at Gillingham. So I don't think it is actually that different in, in okay. the way the, the crowds are responding to them. And I think Scott Lindsay will have heard that. And I've asked him about, about it following the Gillingham game, what he thinks about that crowd. And there was, I've, it, it'll, you'll hear it later because it's part of my questions where I don't think he quite understood what I was asking him. But, you know, th- that belief in the, the two up top being the way forward when you're trying to create chances and it's just the belief that they're getting. Uh, you heard it from Jacob Wakeling saying, you know, the crowd becoming that twelfth man and getting behind the team can only help them. I think Scott Lindsay said that you know they they are making these decisions for a reason. They they know what they were doing. It, they, they've not just randomly decided to take your striker off for no reason. Luke Jeffcott isn't fully fit yet, so he couldn't really play more than seventy minutes. And because of the way the game was going, that substitution got moved up. So it's just. I feel they feel there is a lack of understanding for what they are doing and the the way they're coaching this team is being a bit misconstrued in the fans' eyes. Yeah. The issues or the or the the angry fans they weren't all over the the, the county grounds. It was very much in one area, wasn't it? It was very much in the town end. I didn't hear like, you know, you hear people complaining about the game in front of them, but you don't hear like anti Scott Lindsay rhetoric at that level, as we heard behind the goal on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's definitely more vocal from behind the goal. That's that's where the, the fan noise is always going to come from. I, I wasn't sure. I, I thought I heard some in the Arkle stand who were who, who were booing the, the Jeff got substitution and obviously it was coming mostly from the counter ground bid. You know, I, I I just feel that people are people clearly aren't seeing it the way that I'm seeing it and that's fine. And Scott Lindsay has said that he and they've all said they understand the frustration because they've not been getting the results they want. But I, they're just, you know, they're they're being booed for things that they don't feel are at all legitimate yet. It's not it's not like a, a John Sheridan thing where this is they're taking us along for this ride that makes no sense. They're they're, they're taking the right decisions, and and then people maybe aren't aren't seeing it in the same way. And that that has got to be frustrating for you if you know. Scott Lindsay's getting his diploma, as we've already said, and he's he he's been in this business a long time. He understands the way football works and how to be a football manager. And, and people people don't see that, and that that has got to hurt you. And I I think he is really looking to go on a run here and show and just show people who 
have their doubts that they were wrong to. Yeah, I can't hear the articles, so if there was noise there, shame on them too. Previous managers would have called Swindon fans idiots by now, so Scott Lindsay's clearly doing something right. <laughs> he would have said, oh, speaking of former managers, John Sheridan's available, so be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah he's a... Yeah, stepped up. I think we need. I think in many ways it would help if he has that Richie Wellens moment post Stevenage, where he says the crowd are rubbish, and then afterwards they react and go, "Yeah, maybe we are." So, so maybe Swindon fans just hate themselves and want to be told that they're rubbish, and the fact that Scott Lindsay's refusing to do that isn't helping. <laughs> yeah, Garner and McCurdy did the same last season, didn't they? Oh, exactly. The, uh, and, yeah, very good point. But we're mid-table now. Oh yeah, and this was discussed. But pushing up, we leapfrogged Sutton after that win. We're we're on off in the right direction and I, I, I think well, even the question was coming if it's too early to look at the table and even if you did look at the table it doesn't look particularly pretty but it looks better than it did and I, I think you just look he Scott Lindsay's looking at it from the perspective that it shows that they're going in the right direction and Doncaster had a good start and I was looking at the table if we beat them we go above them so again for a squad full of young players he's talking about new young players and new players and they're they're getting into what they want to be. And he felt that Tuesday was the first time that side looked like how he wanted it to, which is a side surprise because I'm pretty sure we played better. But, um, you know, it's it, it shows that you're doing the right things if you're in touching distance when you haven't been pleased with how things are going. And because of the way this squad has been compiled, you don't feel you're anywhere close to how good you can be. Yeah, before we get to Doncaster, the question was asked on how... Scott Lindsay is finding being a head coach. What did he say? Well, it was similar to the answer I've, I've said that he's he's been around it, so he's not had necessarily any real surprises by stepping into that role. He, he said in that in that first press conference, he's had basically ever in the Adam Richmond um, man versus food intro held nearly every job in the football biz, and he's he's really enjoyed that uh, that ability to do all the things that. Um, that he'd always been a part of, but now he's in, in charge of them. He lo- he talked about really having enjoyment for structuring a week of training and showing and planning what they needed to be working on and how to do that. And then also coming into the match days and seeing that happen and geeing all the players up to, to play for him. And he's been really enjoying that process. Obviously, he admitted it is, a, it is a stressful one and you're working a lot but he's very much enjoyed his chance to become the number one. Okay then, so Doncaster Rovers on Saturday, a trip to the Eco Power Stadium um, to take on Gary McSheffrey's uh, side. Gary McSheffrey, remember being quite a useful tier two winger in his pomp. A, a team that's full of players that you would have heard of, you know, our very own former town player, Carl Noyle, was taken there by Richie Wellens. And then you've got players that Spent a lot of their career in the uh, in the second tier, like Adam Clayton, Lee Tomlin, Kieran Agard is there. Remember those two from their Bristol City days, Tommy Rowe. So they've got they've got players there. Rashawn Williams, he 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 was quite highly thought of for a little bit. You say there quite rightly. If if Swindon beat Doncaster, we leapfrog them, which is a real indicator of how the starts of seasons go because Doncaster up until a couple of weeks ago were absolutely flying they in their first what six games they won four and drew two but they've lost their last two games so they've lost at home to Mansfield and away in midweek to Barrow sorry so it, it's it's crazy isn't it how this happens you know we've kind of 
stuttered and drawn a lot of games, but Doncaster started really, really well. And now I've just had two bad games and suddenly we're we're almost even. Undefeated in seven, Rich, please toe the party line. But yeah, it's all of a sudden... Two wins in ten. Well, that <laughs> your glass is half empty. Scott Lindsay's is very much half full. No, I'm joking. Yeah, all of it. Was it Barrow and Mansfield? I believe they lost to. All of a sudden, they've gone from looking really strong under a rookie manager to having a bit of a rocky patch. But Scott Lindsay is wary of that, and of that. The uh, I think it's one of your stock questions and answers in every football manager save. So, um, you know, do you have to be wary of the inevitable reaction? But he's, you know. Especially after coming off of Gillingham and then going and getting that that result, they they know themselves that when you have those disappointing results, you're out for you're out for vengeance. And he's very much expecting that reaction from Doncaster, having having had those two disappointing results, and you'll be probably seeing a better version of them um, now that they're doing that. And as you say, all those experienced players, it feels like we played Lee Tomlin at least once a year for for a new club he's never played for before. So it'd be nice to see him again. But um, and he's that experience side is really what they have in the in the playing staff, if not managerial wise. And they talked about them using their mounts now, so when they can play a lot of good football, and but they're more than happy to to play forward quickly and try and use it that way. And he's just hoping that that the Sutton game can snowball was the the word that was used. So he's he's uh, prepared for reaction, but hoping that. They their win will mean that they they come into this game with more confidence this time than they might have done in previous result uh, fixtures. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit wary of looking at form because Sutton had won their previous two games before coming to the county ground and Doncaster lost that. It there really is no way of knowing at this stage um, with form and so forth. Who's injured? Who's injured? Um, Tommy Adeloy is still completely injured. Lavinier didn't train today, but they are still hopeful that he'll be. Available. Rushon Hepburn Murphy is a little bit behind um, Divine and Neanderlo, who are the other two um, players who aren't 100% fit. But he said that Divine and Neanderlo will almost definitely travel up to Doncaster for the game. So uh, we have one definitely out in Tommy Adeloy. Rushon Hepburn Murphy almost definitely out. And then Lavinia, Divine, and Neanderlo will probably all be there. Oh, that's good. The progress. Cool. Um, he was asked about leaving players out. I suppose there were a few notable senior players that weren't in the 18 in midweek. What do you say here? It does feel like we have a, all of a sudden a bit of depth after that. Can you call it a trolley dash on Dudley? I think finding, signing five players must must be classed as one, even if they were all pretty good. Um, but he's, he's, again, this is your, I guess, stock answer, but we haven't I can't remember the time Swindon were actually now to ask this question about, you know, what do you do with your, your senior pros you having to leave out? He was talking about um, the session that they put on for all of those players yesterday uh, while all the players who played didn't come in and, and how they'd respond to it really well and how important it is to keep those guys involved and keep them, keep them sharp because we will get injuries as every team does. And we will have to we have we'll have to use them, and there there's a lot of quality there. So you've got to think that uh, even if they are they aren't involved, we do have even if we do get a few injuries, we will have the the type of players to to roll in and replace them. Surely will. Okay. Um, before we get to your questions, there was a question about our attacking field and forwards. What was what was discussed at this point? We're well, talking about how you know 
that um, attacking philosophy I mentioned earlier and wanting to be really aggressive and seeing that for the first time against Sutton and how you know players like Gladwin and Williams were really helpful for him for him doing that and as as well having someone like Saidu Khan who can come off the bench who is really strong in making things happen and score goals and then you've got Darcy and Darcy and Khan have sort of been rotating around between the pair of them for that spot a little bit so far this season Darcy was really clever off the ball running which is which is a different a- asset to what Saidu Khan can bring but they're both a really strong game changing players that can that can help us attack in the way that Scott Lindsay wants us to yeah, and here is hoping. Shall we listen to your questions now? Let's hear them. Um, hello. You've, obviously, you've had some troggles where you've been unable to score goals, but in some games like Tuesday and then against Rochdale, you managed to do it again. Do you feel like you find the right balance between defence and attack? Because even in those games, maybe you, you know, conceded a few too many chances. No, I, I don't know. I think I look at, I look at the stats. I look at how we attack. You know. Shots on target. I think we're all the stats would 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 sort of like appear that we we are an attacking team. You know, um, you look at shots out out the box. I think we're second in the league. Shots in the box, we're in the top ten. Um, box entries, we're in the top three. Um, possession, we're in the top three. Um, so when you look at when you look at all the stats, I, I do believe that we are an attacking, we are a, an, an attacking team that have, have a lot of the football. I've got players in my team. I can switch it up. I can play three, three, uh, three, five, two. I can play uh, four, three, three. I can possibly go four diamond two with the players that I've got within my squad, so we can change things up. And I still think that we'll be effective attacking. You know, people, people have this mindset of, oh, you need to play two up front because you've not scored a lot. You know, well, not really. No, that, that's not the case. Because when we play four-three-three, we've got three up front. So you know, when people say, "Oh, you need to play two up front," they think that we're going to score more goals. You know, I heard people saying about you should play two up front in the Gillingham game in the second half. Well, that's probably the worst thing I could have done because there was no spaces to play two up front. So sometimes you've got to look a little bit deeper than just you know throwing sentences sentences together and thinking we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And that's your fact. You know, with the players that we've got at our disposal, and, and certainly against the teams you play against, it's horses for courses. You've got to play against certain teams who play different things. You've got to, you've got to pick a team accordingly. Yeah, and then last week you told us you were looking around, exploring options about the goalkeeper. Where are you in that process? Yeah, it's still kind of an ongoing process, but something that I want to try and put to bed very quickly. And, and not just because of having a third goalkeeper. I think certainly from working day to day, you know, around the training grounds, it's always better to have another goalkeeper in the building. Like Tuesday, for argument's sake, like I spoke about earlier, when we had the the, uh, the training group in on Tuesday morning, um, it would have been ideal to have a goalkeeper in as well, but we couldn't because we haven't got one. So, you know, obviously the two goalkeepers who was needed for match day on Tuesday night wouldn't have been able to come in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's important for, in terms of a training um, side of things. It's just as important as, as having a third one in anyway. Thank you. So you were very much along the tacking element of this. Did you, you? You said you didn't really answer the question, though. Yeah. Well, I was happy with his answer. I just I thought it was a really good answer, so I was like, I'll leave that. But I was what I actually meant was, are you not being defensive enough rather than you being too attacking? Because it felt just from the times where we have we've scored more than two goals in one game on two occasions against Rochdale and Sutton. Sutton we conceded twice. 
against Rochdale, we easily could have done the same. So I was, I was actually trying to ask about if he felt that balance between attack and defence was correct from a defensive point of view, more than it was an attacking one. I, I didn't explain it particularly well. And that is very much my bad. But I have learned that if you say something in the build-up to a question with Lindsay, he, he has some objection to, he will sort of answer that bit, not the rest of it. So that that was that was <laughs> mea culpa. But um, it was I, I just thought it was a really good answer. And it was sort of all the things that I'm thinking when people are talking about, um, oh, why aren't you playing two up front? And I, I actually had this exact conversation with my father before the game, before I, I went off to do the media duties. And he was saying, we need to play two up front. It's like, well, that doesn't actually help you create chances because you need players to get the ball into there. And he was talking about that and that, you know, all that pent up emotion I've been mentioning that when people are annoyed that you're going like for like with a striker who's half fit still and you're bringing on Jacob Wakeling, you know, and and just that, I just thought it was a really good answer. So I thought it doesn't matter that he hasn't answered the question. I, I quite like this. Yeah, shout out to Daddy Acklam too. <laughs> Obviously, he's a fool and um, he will hear this and he knows that I think it. Oh dear. Okay, well, I'm not getting into that dispute. <laughs> I respect the opinion. Okay, um, goalkeeper chat. Yeah, we, we want updates. Um, it's not going to be Ben Foster, it turns out. Not that that was ever a rumour. He's retired today. You know, veteran goalkeeper. Dare to dream. Any any up? So not really anything happening there, is there? Well, I think this was the question that in the last presser because we didn't play Newport. Most people wouldn't have heard, but you know, if you're it was on the live blog. So when you don't read the live blog, I feel please read the live blog. So just read the Dan live blog. So you would have known that we were actually in search of a goalkeeper of a number two in the building because the idea is for Connor Brand to be a, a long term prospect more than an immediate backup to Sol Brin, which is which is something I'd mentioned on deadline day about how they viewed him as a player. But we are looking into the into the backup market. He said that it did limit them a little bit on with the um the reserve players not having that third goalkeeper. So they couldn't do certain things in that training session. So it will help them generally within a week of training to have three goalkeepers in the building. Also I think they want someone a little more oven ready than Connor Brand. We have unfortunately missed out on Will Yeskalinen, who I wanted just for the outside chance that UC Yeskalinen would come up just Winden game. But um but he's now off the market by going to Wimbledon. But um, we are we are still in the hunt for a an out of contract goalkeeper. I'm not one to well, I'm not somebody who puts names on the back of shirts. But man, they would have had my money and a goalkeeper shirt if Yaskalainen would have signed. hundred percent worth the exorbitant price of getting all of those letters. Absolutely. Um, yeah, cool. Well, let's let's see what happens on that front in the coming weeks. Uh, good luck to Swindon Town women who are at home on Sunday, 18th of September against AFC Bournemouth. That's at Foundation Park kickoff at 2pm. £3 adults, £1 over 65s and under 16s go for free. So good luck to them this weekend. We'll see how they get on um, in the next episode or one after that, because we've got a presser early next week for the uh, for the Papa John's, don't we? Oh, yeah. So we're, we're still going in that one. We've got the uh, the big Plymouth fixture, the Luke Jeffcott derby. But before then, if everyone get down to watch that Swindon women versus Bournemouth game. Should be great. Yeah, absolutely. And we won't even see Massey against his old club. We're losing all our goals by the, uh, you know, sods law. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously he's out on loan now, so we won't, we won't get to see him um, 
make them pay for losing faith in him or what, whatever reason it was that he ended up not getting a contract with Plymouth. But um, yeah, it should, well, it should be interesting to see, as I say, potentially what they're planning on doing in the absence of uh, Johnny Williams. It could be the first chance to see players like Morgan Roberts and Connor Brown. But from the perspective of it being a JPT game, there there is some stuff going on. Yeah, I was tempted to go. Um, I'm not going to go. I'll watch it from home, but I am going to Bristol Rovers, which could well be the most pointless game of the season. So, But I'll be there for that. Um, I'm delaying the inevitable. You, you tried so hard to provide me, to set me up with a perfect segue, and I ignored it. But we have got Luke Jeffcott, um, who, you know, very kindly joined you in the presser. Well, we praised Tyree Shade. I think that was the episode that people did get to listen to Tyrese, didn't they? We were so happy with Johnny Williams that we we played him in the last episode regardless. But Luke Jeffcott was a return to media trained to within an inch of his life. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, you, if you were to uh, uh, follow my advice and read the live blog, the answers aren't particularly long. I, I will say these aren't like, Word for word quotes. I was just taking out the 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 summers of his questions, but I think you you can answer this one. But I, it was about a six minute interview between the three of us. I think so. There was there was not loads of substance in this. I think it's fair to say he was asked about Ginningham and he was asked about the game on Tuesday. What do you say about those? Well, we see. We said it was very lovely to make his debut again in the Gillingham, and then once again toad party line on. How they're viewing Gillingham as a game, it was it was difficult because they defended. And then um, I think I think there's there was that little bit of annoyance about how the Sutton game went because he could have had a couple in that one if he was really fully sharp. But I, I I might may you'll hear in a second. I may have phrased my question slightly slightly meanly to him, but he was thinking he's maybe not fully sharp and isn't up to it. Isn't as as crisp in his finishing as he will be hopefully soon. But um, yeah, he was he's excited to be involved in a team. I think the most interesting part of this is him discussing his transfer and how you know Swindon came in and gave him a, a presentation. We heard a, a full on presentation of how he would fit into Swindon's system and um, the kind of chances that we create. And he felt that those were the type of chances he likes to be on the end of and was was uh, picked Swindon over the other side because he felt there was the best chance for him to score goals here. I have some of that well in. I've often agreed to a lot of things at work just to avoid the PowerPoint presentation. So, you know, me and Luke Jeffcott might be kindred in that respect. Yeah, he's a, I think it's interesting to be to be making your choices based on PowerPoint, but maybe Scott Lindsay's really good at word art. He may just be. He batted away the the option of a permanent deal question with a plum down over the boundary for four. Um, he wasn't giving anything away, was he? He wants to stay in Plymouth. Um, yeah, it was. He was uh, the oh um, yeah. I'm just concentrating on right now, trying to score goals, see where it goes, kind of stuff, rather than. Do you want to do you want to play for Swindon long term? Absolutely not. Yeah, that that was the thing here, wasn't it? But I guess you can't say I'm here because if this doesn't go well and he goes back cap in hand to Plymouth, it, it might be tricky for him. I don't know, but yeah, it, it was it wasn't a response of I am going to give this my absolute all and I'm going to sign for you and it's going to I'm going to be a legacy man. It was it was very much uh, at the end of the day. We go again, fans were class sort of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, he's in a bit, as you say, he's in a bit of a rock and a hard place there where 
yeah, he can't be too committal to Swindon because he can't annoy Plymouth, but also, you know, he, he has to be ready for all eventualities in a deal that isn't, you know, isn't guaranteed. So he has to he has to play that play that um that drive for the four, as you say, in in a bit of a tight gap. And he I think he found it in what he was looking to achieve. From our perspective, I would love it if he said, you know, just I if I in my day off, I'm going to go burn down Home Park. I love Swindon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of that, please, footballers, uh, <laughs> without the actual, you know, following it. Obviously, don't commit out. None of that. <laughs> One thing he was quick to sort of go, whoa, hang on, was the, the notion of taking a step back and going down to League Two. He was very quick to say, well, I, I don't see this as a, as, a, as a sort of downgrade, even though it is a division drop. Yeah, don't don't look at the number in the in the name of the league. This is very much very similar level. He did get to he did uh, conclude that League One sides you give you fewer chances and you have to be more clinical. But he uh, he was one hundred percent not on board with the suggestion that his career had had to take a bit of a backward step. He's uh, he, he sees he sees the levels as being fairly similar and just wants to just wants to score goals. Rich, he, he lives and breathes for goals. Don't we all? Don't we all don't really need to talk about the fact that he was asked about initiations because in his words, he hopes that he doesn't have to sing a song. So there's not really much more to discuss on that. So should we listen to your itty bitty clip? Mm, let's hear it. Well, um, obviously only played probably about one game total so far. But what have you made of your teammates so far and settling into the side whilst you work up to fitness? Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being here. Like I said, the boys have... Um, They've been great with me, you know, making me feel really welcome and um, feel like I'm suiting in the style of playing so. And do you feel like, you had a couple of chances, one right at the start of the game, do you feel like as you get more into fitness you'll become increasingly clinical on the pitch? Um, well, <laughs> I'm not going to make any excuses there. Two goals that I should score, really. But, um, yeah, no, the, more, the more I play, the more consistent I get. I'm, I know that I'll put those chances away. There you go. So, um, was this a, was this a desperate scramble for questions this week? Which is my most common question at this point. <laughs> it's it's becoming a lovely segment, I think, of me admitting I had absolutely no idea what to ask him. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was a it was a bit um a bit last minute. I I, I felt just from the way he may sort of responded to the question, I was like, why didn't score? Which isn't what I meant. I was you know maybe giving a bit of an out, but he didn't want the excuses to for. Uh, why he didn't he didn't finish against Sutton? He's um he 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 felt he should have scored absolutely and and he should have done in that one in the first minute, but he um you know he he's a uh, he is still getting up to sharpness. There was that you know as as a big part of Lindsay's answer and Jeff got said it himself. He's not played a full ninety since pre season, so he's he's not fully where he's going to be. And not everyone could be Owen Doyle at the end of the day. No, they cannot. And I think Wakeling might start over him against Doncaster. What do you think? It would be an interesting one. I, I felt that in certainly Gillingham and Stockport, Wakeling had had a, a tough time against those centre-backs and maybe coming on as a sub in that situation might have helped him a little bit. I, I think we do very much need to we need to <laughs> persist with Jeff Gott, but, but Wakeling's 100% a favourite. So in, in conclusion, I don't know. <laughs> well, OK, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> prediction time... 
I am going to do something that I haven't done for a few games, and that's predict a draw. I've done that since yeah. Stockport, and I was right, even though I didn't get the score. So, but it's the first time, second game of the season against Salford, where I will predict a 1-1 draw, and I was right that time. So 1-1 away, and I think that's one of the ones that you, you take and be happy with. I think you'd be pretty pleased with a 1-1, but I'm going to go one better and say 2-1 to Swindon. The train keeps moving. Chew and chew. Chew, chew indeed. And uh, I chew, chew, choose your prediction over mine. Hopefully that... What an awful way to end an episode, but <laughs> we're going to do it. Joe, always a pleasure. Speak to you early next week, probably. Thank you very much. Speak to you then. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Have a bubble. The train keeps moving. Chew and chew. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.